Welcome to Historic Knoxville News, a podcast series based on readings from old Knoxville newspapers and other documents. I'm Melissa Bremen, Robbie Griffith is the reader, and Knox County historian Steve Cottom provides the commentary. That an elephant was hanged for murder is one of the most curious facts in East Tennessee's history, one that made it into Ripley's Believe It or Not. Newspaper accounts are insufficient for telling the strange tale, but Steve Cottom found an article about the hanging in Tennessee Folklore Society Bulletin, Volume 37, Number 1, March 1971. The author, Thomas Burton, generously gave his permission to use his article entitled The Hanging of Mary, a Circus Elephant, for this podcast episode. The following is abridged by about half. Please see the bulletin issue for the full article. Incredible as it seems, late Wednesday afternoon, September 13, 1916, Mary, a circus elephant, was hanged in Irwin, Tennessee. The day before, in Kingsport, Tennessee, after the daylight performance, Mary had killed Walter Red Eldridge, who reportedly had joined the Sparks' world-famous shows only two days earlier in his hometown of St. Paul, Virginia, because he wanted to be an animal trainer. According to some reports, Eldridge was not Mary's first victim. In one published account, carried ten days after the event in a Chicago newspaper and illustrated by a 7 by 10 sensational drawing, Mary was reported to have killed seven other men. The Ripley's Believe It or Not cartoon of August 29, 1938, numbers the victims as three. On the other hand, another article in the Johnson City Comet quotes Mr. Heron, the press agent for the Sparks shows, as saying, I have been with the shows for three years, and I have never known the elephant to lose her temper before. The Nashville Banner reported similarly, Murderous Mary, as she was termed by spectators, has been performing for 15 years, and this is the first time anyone has come to harm. Mary was billed as the largest living land animal on earth, three inches taller than Jumbo and weighing over five tons. The Johnson City staff reported her to be one of a trained quintet, 30 years old, interestingly only half her life expectancy in captivity, and estimated her loss to the show at $20,000. Another newspaper valued her at $8,000. Her attack on Walter Eldridge was flamboyantly reported by the Johnson City staff as follows. Suddenly, Mary collided its trunk vice-like about his body, lifted him ten feet in the air, then dashed him with fury to the ground. Before Eldridge had a chance to reach his feet, the elephant had him pinioned to the ground, and with the full force of her beastly fury, is said to have sunk her giant tusks entirely through his body. The animal then trampled the dying form of Eldridge, as if seeking a murderous triumph. Then, with a sudden swing of her massive foot, hurled his body into the crowd. Twenty years later, Mary's attack is reported quite differently. The elephant's keeper, while in the act of feeding her, walked unsuspectingly between her and the tent wall. For no reason that could be ascertained, Mary became angry, and with a vicious swish of her trunk, landed a fatal blow on his head. W.H. Coleman of Kingsport, who witnessed the event as a youth of 19, described to me Mary's attack on Red Eldridge as follows. There was, oh, I don't know now, six or seven or eight elephants, and they went down to water them. And on the way back, each boy had a little stick-like that was a spear or hook in the end of it. 
And this big old elephant reached over to get her a watermelon rind, about a half a watermelon somebody ate and just laid it down there. And he did, the boy gave him a jerk. He pulled away from him and he just blowed real big. And when he did, he took him right around the waist and throwed him against the side of the drink stand and he just knocked the whole side out of it. Later, Mr. Coleman specifically says Mary did not gore Eldridge. According to Mr. Coleman, Hench Cox, who was 65 or 70, came out of the blacksmith shop close by when he heard the elephant blow and shot it five times with a 3220 pistol. The elephant just doubled up, just groaned and carried on. You never heard the like. He just stooped down and shook all over. Then, as Mr. Coleman relates, the crowd kept hollering and saying, let's kill the elephant, let's kill him. And he said, people, I'd be perfectly willing to kill him, but there's no way to kill him. There ain't gun enough in this country that he could be killed. There's no way to kill him. Nevertheless, Mary was quickly brought under control and even performed at the evening show, according to the newspaper, without having exhibited the slightest indication of bad temper. Nothing was apparently done by the circus officials at that time to exterminate the elephant. Furthermore, Mr. Coleman thinks that they did not plan then to execute Mary and would not have executed her solely for the killing of Eldridge. He bases his opinion on a conversation held some six or seven years after the hanging with one of the operators of the Sparks sideshows. The showman told Mr. Coleman that Mary wouldn't never been destroyed if, if he, Mary, hadn't have come in an ace of destroying the owner. He come so near getting him that he said, that'll be the last of you, and just took and had him killed. In reality, Mr. Coleman thinks, Mary was executed because she was old, mean, and dangerous to handle, not because she had taken a human life, and not, one might add, because of the analysis, seemingly serious, offered by one newspaper. It is stated that when an elephant kills one or more people, that they are liable to do the same thing again and at a time that the keepers are least expecting it. It is difficult to establish definitely, however, the authority responsible for sentencing Mary to death. The Johnson City staff, the day after the execution, reports, Not wishing to take any more risks as to the loss of life, the Sparks Circus management had Mary hung and killed. The 1916 December issue of Popular Mechanics states that Mary was condemned to death by the state authorities and executed. At any rate, on Wednesday, September 13th, the day following Eldridge's death, the Sparks Circus moved from Kingsport to Irwin, taking Mary with it. In Irwin, it had rained, and Mary, along with the other elephants, helped push the wagons out of the mud. James Treadway described the scene to me as follows. They come in here, and they is a wet spell, rain awful for several days. They shipped them, the animals, in there by train at that time. There wasn't any trucks then. And the railroad just set them on the side in there and rolled them wagons off. They was mired down, and they couldn't pull them with horses. And this feller took this elephant down there, and she just pushed them out with her head. Later that day, following the afternoon show, Mary was taken down to the shop yards of the CCNO Railways. 
Mont Lilly, at that time a 16-year-old relief man on the Derrick car crew, gave me the following details of the hanging. He brought those elephants down there. They had four or five of them together, and they had this here Mary. She was bringing up the rear. It was just like they was having a parade, holding one another's tail. These other ones come up, and they stopped. Well, she just cut loose right there, and the showman... They went and put a chain, a small chain, around her foot and chained her to the rail. Then they backed the wrecker up to her and throwed the big seven-eighths inch chain around her neck and hoisted her. And she got up about, oh, I'd say five or six feet off the ground, and the chain around her neck broke. Bud Jones, the fireman on the 100-ton Derrick car that was used to hang Mary, gave me the following details. They had eight or ten other elephants. They brung them all down there, and she seemed to know there's something wrong some way, you know. And she'd walk off around to one side, you know. Wouldn't stay hardly with the others at all. And finally, got her up close enough to throw a chain around her neck. And we picked her up about, well, I'd say about three foot off the ground, and then the chain broke. And it kind of addled her when it fell, you know. And we quickened got another chain and put it around her neck and hooked it before she could get up. According to Mr. Lilly, it was not two minutes before the circus people had the second chain around Mary's neck, and Sam Harvey, the regular fireman acting as engineer that day, had her hoisted once again. She kicked a little bit, and that was about all. See, that thing choked her to death right quick. After Mary's execution, and after the pronouncement of her death, supposedly by a local physician, R.E. Stack, her five-ton corpse had to be disposed of. P.H. Flannery relates, We buried him with a steam shovel. I dug the grave after we hung the elephant, and also covered him with a steam shovel. According to Bud Jones, she was held swinging about ten minutes before the derrick dropped her in the hole, some four or five hundred feet away from where she was hanged. The site itself, however, is a disputable subject, but according to Mr. Treadway, it was south of the roundhouse, below the tracks where the river, Nolachucky, comes up so far there. The reported length of time Mary was held aloft before her shame was decently covered also varies considerably, from a short period of 5, 10, 20, or 30 minutes to a long period of several hours. After Mary was dropped into her grave, her tusks, reportedly, were sawed off. According to some, before she was buried, according to others, e.g. James Treadway, they dug down that night and cut her tushes off. With one of the tusks, says Mr. Lilly, one fellow made a set of dice. Mrs. Griffith states that the Associated Press learned of the event and came here to Irwin ten days later, had the animal dug up. Mr. Lilly has no recollection of Mary's ever been dug up. However, Chief Engineer Jim Goforth says that a request, long after the hanging, was made by a geological school to exhume the remains, although the project was not attempted. A photograph of the hanging was made, but the details concerning it are as cloudy as the day on which it was taken. One report says that when Johnny Childers submitted an article entitled Vicious Elephant Hanged for Killing Man, published in the 1916 December issue of Popular Mechanics, a picture was requested to accompany the article. Childers is quoted as saying, 
I got hold of one in Irwin, but it was too dim for reproduction. The picture used with a magazine article was a sketch by the magazine artist. The drawing deserves a brief comment. The following is attributed to Childers himself. It showed the huge elephant swinging from the derrick. The drawing, however, does not show Mary hanging. It presents her being driven by the other elephants to the track. Standing nearby, alongside a circus tent, was a group of young lady circus bareback riders, using lace handkerchiefs to wipe tears from their eyes as they watched the hanging of the elephant Mary. The artist's conception of what happened was not erroneous. Circus people told me that they all were saddened by the hanging. Mrs. Monk comments on this attitude of the circus people, some of whom, she was told, cried like a baby. And Bert Vincent, in his article on the hanging of Mary, also refers to the sentiment displayed by the circus folk. He gives the following comment by W.B. Carr, pipe foreman at the CC&O shops, who observed the hanging. The circus woman must have loved Mary, this elephant, a whole lot. She had ridden her in the circus parades and had never been afraid of her. This woman wouldn't come down and see the elephant die. She stayed in a hotel and cried. Focusing on the photograph again, however, Mrs. Griffith relates, The hanging occurred between 4 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a dark and cloudy day. A local photographer by the name of Mitchell, I believe, made a picture of the event, but when it was developed it was very dim, and he faked the picture of the elephant. My father standing under it can only be distinguished as a man. In this photograph, claimed as the only existing one of the incident, Mary, unnaturally hanging from the derrick with trunk extended, is suspiciously sharper than her background. Incidentally, when submitted by Eugene Harris to the editors of Argosy, the photo was rejected as phony. There are no available photographs to record the size and reaction of the crowd, but apparently the hanging to them was an extension of the circus spirit. As J.C. Monk, who watched the event from the tipple about 100 yards away, says, It was excitement, you know, to see the elephant hung. Word was spread and the people gathered from miles around to witness the event. From another point of view, the hanging of Mary was a serious matter. Mrs. B.O. Bailey says that the people were quiet. They's just standing around, just like anybody else, you know, watching. They just wanted to get rid of that elephant that was killing everybody. Nobody was sorry for it, for it was a killing too many people. Bud Jones says that everyone was very serious about the hanging. He was almighty quiet, but, he says, the people, most of them, thought she ought to be killed. Mr. Lilly states, Well, the general attitude was they just wanted to see the elephant hung. They... Of course, a lot of them thought, too, that the elephant ought to be killed. They ought to destroy her, you know, for killing so many people. Similarly, Mr. Monk recalls, There wasn't much sympathy for old Mary. Most people thought that the elephant ought to be hung. At least I did. Mrs. Griffith goes even further in saying, We did not sit in judgment on her fate, and I don't believe any of those who witnessed the event felt it was inhumane under the circumstances she paid for her crimes as anyone else would. According to local belief, however, hanging was not the only means attempted or at least considered to punish Mary for her crimes. Mr. Treadway says, They thought about just 
putting her between that two engines and just mash her to death, and they decided better not do that, might get somebody hurt. Bud Jones told me they shot her eight or ten times with one of these high-powered rifles. There wasn't a bullet went through the hide, they claim. Now, that's what they said over there in Kingsport. Mr. Treadway related to me another incident. The sheriff thought he could shoot her, but he couldn't with a forty-five. Sheriff Gallahan, I believe, was a sheriff at that time, and it had knocked chips out of her hide a little. He shot her six times. He thought he could shoot her in the heart, but that gun wouldn't go through her. Mr. Lilly adds another attempted method. They tried to electrocute her in Kingsport. They put 44,000 volts to her, and she just danced a little bit. Then they decided, well, they'd shoot her, and they's afraid to try that. Afraid they'd just shoot her and make her mad, you know, and she would hurt somebody. Bud Jones also mentions a proposed electrocution, but he says they didn't have power enough to do it. One story that Don Whitlock, a native of Irwin, tells me he has always heard is that the railroad chained Mary to the rail and transferred the power from the turntable at the roundhouse to the rail in an unsuccessful attempt to electrocute her. Regardless of the other means of execution attempted, however, or of what other course of action might have been taken, or of why what took place occurred, late Wednesday afternoon, September 13, 1916, Mary, a circus elephant, was hanged in Irwin, Tennessee, an incredible incident that has become part of the oral and written tradition of the surrounding area. Hello, Knox County historian Steve Cottom. Hello, Melissa. Today we're talking about the incredible story of the hanging of Mary the Elephant, which uh, was one of the very first reference questions I got hit with when I joined the staff of the McClung Historical Collection back in 1980. And when somebody asked me if this was true, I was incredulous, but I went like any good reference librarian <laughs> to investigate and discovered that, in fact, an elephant was hung in Irwin, Tennessee. But the story behind that is a lot more complicated than, um, than you might think at first glance. It's really part of the folklore of the region now, and the town of Irwin is quick to point out that the hanging there wasn't necessarily their idea. It mm -hmm. was something that happened there, but there's a suggestion it was sort of an accident that the elephant happened to be in Irwin. They just happened to have the train equipment, equipment. There, <laughs> the cranes. Well, some of the things they talked about as ways to execute this poor elephant was, you know, shooting, and at one point they talked about I think it's in the article, you know, putting the elephant between two trains and crashing them together. Horrible, beastly kinds of things. But um, the story was so written about and became so exaggerated by different accounts that were printed in different periodicals, like Argosy and newspapers and all kinds of places, that uh, in 1971, Thomas G. Burton, who is now Professor Emeritus of at East Tennessee State University wrote an article and tried to get at the truth of what happened using oral history interviews that are now at the, the archives of Appalachia and I, tracking down eyewitnesses. And he probably got as unbiased an account as you can get because there is so much contradictory information out there in this, mm -hmm. in this very sad story. Dr. Burton 
does bring out in the article that he wrote, which was written for the Tennessee Anthropological Association for a meeting, how contradictory the eyewitness accounts were. And then those accounts got woven into later stories that were written. Well, I want to tell everyone once more that I did use only about half of Dr. Burton's mm -hmm, article mm -hmm. and to refer you to the full-length article in Steve's library, mm -hmm. and we'll put the citation on the blog. Um, you know, the crowd was enormous for a, a town of that size. Yeah. And the fact that the, you know, the show, circus show went on that day when Mary was chained outside, but then the crowd was told that she was going to be hung after it was over. So the crowd may have been really large because the, there was the sensationalism attached to the circus anyway. The crowd was, was very nervous when they were getting ready to hang the elephant. And the performance ended before the execution of the elephant. One of the elephants in the show became upset and um, trumpeted and frightened people, and they were running out of the tent and tripping over each other and getting bruised. So... Um, so there's a question there about, you know, what the elephants knew about what was happening. It was interesting that one of the crane, that the main crane operator who was um, supposed to, to operate the crane to hang the elephant didn't want to be involved with it, so they had to get someone else. Another crane operator uh, showed up to actually operate the crane, and of course the poor animal you know, broke the chain and fell, and then they put a cable on the animal's neck and hoisted her in the air. But it was interesting to me that they had so much trouble finding anybody to operate the crane, and then they had so much trouble with it and with the, the equipment and the chain and all of that business. Mm -hmm. It's grisly. But um, all these... It's also interesting, this became such an important part of the folklore of the region that the archivists were and others were seeking out these witnesses and, and recording their memories so that then you get all these contradictory mm -hmm. stories that go with various printed versions because there really was no real documentary account written of exactly what happened. So it's all hearsay and repetition. And uh, we all know if you pass a story on for 15 people, the story you start with is not the story you end up with. So, anyway. But at least we know that she was not actually convicted of murder in she a court of law. She was not convicted of murder in a court of law, although there were all these rumors that, you know, that she was a demon, that she should be exorcised. One minister suggested she should be oh, exorcised, my. which would have been an interesting development. And uh, they blamed various people and the... Um, as to who actually made that decision, whether it was the circus owner or the officials in various towns. And the towns were saying that she could not perform. And that was upsetting to the circus because mm -hmm. she was their star. And they did travel by rail. And there was the question about whether the railroads wanted to haul the circus from town to town with this murderous monster on the train. So it was a, it was a problem for this little tiny circus uh, to figure out what to do and nobody's nobody will admit to being the one who gave Mary the murder sentence it's passed around like a hot potato mm -hmm. <laughs> the only thing that you know that makes you think the owner had reservations about what happened was the value of this animal to his show mm -hmm. she was the star uh, the elephant and she was worth they say somewhere between eight and twenty thousand dollars which was a huge amount of money in 1916 and um, 
And so he, you know, would have been devastated. I doubt he had any insurance on this animal. And she was on every poster they had out there, you know, come to see Mary the Elephant. So he really had a problem when she was was executed in the railway yard of the Carolina Clinchfield Railroad, Clinchfield, Ohio Railroad up in Irwin. It's a very sad story. I really enjoyed the fact when I read the biography of James Agee, which I think I think it was the biography written by Lawrence Beargreen, where he was talking about ideas that Agee jotted down for stories. When he, I think he was applying for a grant, a Guggenheim or some grant, and one of them was the hanging of an elephant. And Beargreen used that one example, particular example, as... Um, an indication of how fevered and disturbed his mind was. Oh, rather <laughs> Which, than he was doing Then he was thinking about something that he knew from his own experience yeah. really happened. And uh, I wrote the author a letter and never heard from him, but uh, I imagine other people did too because this is a very well-known story in our part of the country. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, it is a very sad story. And um, the book that Charles Edwin Price wrote, The Day They Hung the Elephant, is, a, is another account, a little bit later than Dr. Burton's account. And it really, um, he tells basically the same story. He pursued all the sources, and then the difference is he writes in a more colloquial style and adds some conversation and things to the story, but the facts are basically there. And uh, he ends with the idea that, you know, they don't exactly know where in the train yard at Irwin that uh, the elephant's buried in you know, may she rest in peace there, because <laughs> people periodically get the idea of trying to dig up the skeleton, and, and for whatever reason, I don't know. Elephants are strange and fascinating creatures, and the first thing I thought of when we started talking about this this story as a topic for a podcast was a story that is in the newspapers here in Knoxville, very different story, a happy story, uh, that when the circus came to town, Sometime in the 1880s, I think, Dr. John Mason Boyd, who was a physician, happened to be watching the parade, and one of the elephants had something stuck in her foot. And Dr. Boyd, they stopped the parade, and Dr. Boyd went over and got some tools and extracted the thing that was stuck in her her foot. And the story was told that every time she came to Knoxville, this elephant looked for Dr. Boyd in the crowd. Elephants are intelligent creatures. Mm And um, so, you know, I think this story probably is a really sad story about a tiny circus that had untrained people trying to handle animals and not having a clue what the real story of the animals was. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it is sad because there, there are all these crazy ideas that if an elephant kills somebody once, they're going to kill again. I mean, <laughs> just really odd ideas that apparently were pretty widely believed at the time. Do you believe that Mary really had killed before? I doubt it very seriously. Elephants live in groups of females normally normally in the wild, headed by an older female elephant. And I think she had that role in her group of elephants in this little circus. And I think she was a very large animal and probably hard to handle. And they had people with no idea what an elephant is about trying to handle elephants and probably being unsympathetic, unkind, even cruel in their treatment of the animals. Well, maybe it helps to know that there is an elephant sanctuary in the state now. Yes, there is in Hornwell. We have a an elephant sanctuary, and that's the kind of place that 
that an elephant who might be hard to manage might end up today. Although um, one of the elephants in the Knoxville Zoo, and I think it was Big Diamond, was an elephant that had been in a circus and was hard to handle in, in shows and ended up coming to the zoo here. Uh, and it was, an, again, a very, very large elephant. It's a sad story, but it is part of the folklore and local color of the region that people think of when they think of strange things that happened here. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. You've been listening to Historic Knoxville News, a podcast of the Knox County Public Library. The podcast archives are available from our website at knoxlib.org. That's K-N-O-X-L-I-B dot O-R-G. On the podcast page, you can read article transcripts and find links to library resources related to the subject. You can leave your comments on each episode and support the podcast by linking to it with the handy share button. This work is published under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License Copyright 2009 by Knox County Public Library. The music was performed by Music Therapy and our reader was Robbie Griffith. I'm Melissa Brenneman. Join us again for another journey into Knoxville's past. Thank you.